The teacher wanted all of us to get back. Only his assistants and two of the repeat attendees stayed close to the action. I sidled up next to the woman I'd been partnered with. What is going on? I asked. She casually said, an exorcism. You've entered into the world of alternate realities. Here, paradigms are shifted, minds are blown, and veils are lifted. Actual supernatural experiences are brought to life through storytelling by the people who experience them. Welcome to Adventures in Mysticism with Leah Grant, where the esoteric is explored and consciousness is expanded. Visit adventuresinmysticism.com to further your spiritual development through Leia's latest offerings. And now we continue with this episode's mystical adventure. Being raised Catholic, as well as going to an all-girls Catholic school, you would think I'd have received more of an education on exorcisms than I did. However, I don't recall any teachings on them. What I do remember is the movie, The Exorcist. I have never been a scary movie person, and that movie was scary to me. I knew otherworldly beings existed, but I wasn't aware until that movie that they could hop into someone's body and use it like a playground. As I became more immersed in the world of lightworkers, spiritual gurus, and energy healers, I became familiar with the practice of clearing negative energies and removing entities. These practices typically involved crystals, chanting, and sage. The energy didn't fight back, and in many cases, the person wasn't even sure if it was gone, or in some cases, if it had even ever been there. And certainly, None of the clearings or entity removals I witnessed had the intensity of what was going on in the Exorcist movie. So after a time, I convinced myself that had all been a Hollywood exaggeration. Only it it turns out it kind of wasn't. I innocently signed up for a week-long spiritual retreat taking place in the Costa Rican jungle. There wasn't much detailed information about what took place at the event, but the website listed pretty standard stuff, lecture, yoga, meditation, spiritual exercises, alongside gorgeous photos of the location. I had met some people who had attended this retreat previously, and they gave it high praise. I didn't think to ask for specifics, but they insisted I go. One of them was even going back. I was used to putting myself into unknown situations in the name of spiritual development, so I forged ahead. At the time, one of my friends and I were on the spiritual path together, so I convinced her to come with me so we could room together. All seemed calm upon arrival. The location was amazing with an invisible pool that overlooked lush green scenery for as far as you could see. The rooms had comfy beds and balconies and their own private baths. 
There was a delicious buffet dinner the first night with lots of fresh vegetables and fruits. Dinner would be the last bit of normalcy that existed for the rest of the week. After dinner, we all gathered in the yoga space, which was a large open building consisting of a well-maintained wood floor and thatch roof. Mosquito nets encased the room, providing some barrier from the hungry little blood monsters, those mosquitoes that is, but not from the sticky heat. The spiritual teacher began his welcome statements and in walked a guy in his early 20s, buck naked. This was not a clothing optional retreat. Everyone seemed a bit uncomfortable, except the teacher who had him come up to the front of the room with him. The guy immediately kneeled down before him and started kissing the teacher's feet, saying he thought that he was Jesus. The teacher made him stand up. I was grateful to have chosen the second row to sit in and positioned myself so the girl's head in front of me blocked the dude's junk from view. The teacher asked him questions, trying to figure out what was going on. Turns out the guy had been water fasting for over a week and doing nothing but reading the Bible. He was delirious and definitely not quite right in the head. The teacher's assistants took him to get him dressed and some food. While everything was getting worked out, I was feeling out the room. There were three people in the room who felt very dark and another two who had mm, a bit odd energy. I guess that the brightest light drew the darkness, but there were only about 30 people at this retreat. So to have that many of them possibly be playing for the other side made me curious. Each day of the retreat began with a series of items that included yoga and a group sinking exercise, which would flow into breakfast with a lecture following. Then there would be lunch, some free time. And in the afternoon, we would perhaps have some more lecture and then started practicing our teacher's version of white Tantra. At this point in my spiritual journey, I had heard of Tantra, but wasn't familiar with all of the types and what they were used for. So I just followed the instructions given. Chairs were lined up side by side with one another, row facing row. We were paired up and the exercise was to look into the other person's eyes without breaking gaze for whatever the allotted time period was. While we were looking, music was played and the teacher talked the whole time about things like the eyes being the windows to the soul and how you could see the ocean of the universe within someone else and how love could flow between each person just through eye gazing. I noticed some partners were very easy to do this exercise with, but when I got partnered with one of those five people whom I had picked up on the funky energy with the previous night, they would fidget, look away, and one even got up in the middle of our exercise, claiming she had to go to the bathroom and left me without a partner. I sensed something bigger than looking into people's eyes was going on. The teacher would run around the rows of chairs during the exercise, and I could feel him amping up energy. After several different partners, it was time to break for dinner, which I noticed that 
having done the exercises all afternoon, people were more talkative with each other and seemed to be settling in. We were back in the space after dinner break with the chairs in their rows again. There was an intensity in the air and I had the feeling that something was going to go down. I was right. This time, after everyone sat down with their partners, I chose my friend I came with. The teacher went around and switched partners up. I ended up with a girl I didn't know very well, but she seemed nice and had been to the event before. This eye gazing would be an hour. The music started and the teacher was again running around talking and whipping up energy. Around 15 minutes in, something started happening at the other end of the row. Some people stood up and moved back. One of the really dark feeling girls ran to the corner of the room and curled up. The teacher and his assistants surrounded someone who was on the floor. The teacher was throwing holy water on them and demanding to know the name of the spirit within that person. When the name was given, the teacher then used that name to demand that the spirit leave the guy's body. The guy was on the floor writhing. The teacher warned all of us to get back. Only his assistants and two of the repeat attendees stayed close to the action. I sidled up next to the woman I'd been partnered with. What is going on? I asked. She casually said, an exorcism. The guy on the floor started convulsing more and the teacher got more adamant about the spirit getting out of him. This went on for some time. And then finally, the teacher commanded the spirit by name that it go into a lizard in Jesus's name. All of a sudden, the guy calmed down. The assistants took him to his room and we got back into our lecture chairs. The teacher didn't explain much and apologized for such an active night, then told us to get some sleep for the next day. My mind was spinning. As I exited the room, walking past the teacher, I was thinking, did I really witness an exorcism? Hearing my thought, he answered aloud, yes, you did, and you are going to be doing them. I shivered. I wanted to stop and ask him what he meant by that, but my friend pulled me forward, anxious to get back to our room. We didn't sleep much. Instead, we processed the events of the night, including wondering how many possessed lizards were wandering around the jungle. She texted a Navy SEAL friend of hers to see if we needed evacuating, if he could help us out. The guy who'd been exercised was back with the group the next day as if nothing had happened. Also back with us was the naked dude from the first night. He seemed like he was aligned with reality after 24 hours of sleep and regular food intake, but I steered clear of him just in case all of his sanity had not returned. I had this hope that the crazy was done, yet the sizzling crackle of tension in the air told me that there was more to come, much more. In the middle of one of the days after doing another eye gazing exercise, 
the guy who had been on the floor having the exorcism came up behind me and gripped my shoulders firmly and leaned in to whisper in my ear in a voice that was not his, I want you. There was nothing sexual about his tone. It was more evil and possessive sounding. I wrenched myself away from him and told one of the assistants what he'd said. She brought me to the spiritual teacher to relay the story. He seemed unconcerned, but said he'd take care of it. From what I gathered, if a spirit was cast out, it could return if the person it was in allowed it. Most entities don't just get into people. They get in when the person has left their body. This can happen during trauma, such as rape or a heavy substance abuse, or even during plant medicine ceremonies, which is why it's important to make sure your shaman knows what they are doing energetically to protect the container. An entity can also enter because it's invited. We invite low-level entities through repeated negative thought patterns. Now, big-time demonic energy is usually invited through ritual, ceremony, or witchcraft. Taking care of it apparently meant having more exorcisms. The teacher, his assistants, and several repeat attendees were in various parts of the room casting demons out of all three of the darkest ones. The rest of us were watching the activities with a combined sense of intrigue and horror. Back in our room later that night, my friend and I discussed what the heck we had gotten ourselves into. The weirdest part of the entire evening was how familiar it had felt for both of us, like a deja vu. We wondered if we had past lives where we cast demons out of people. We decided we must have. After we finished our discussions, she got texted by a guy at the event who she was kind of into, and she left to meet up with him. I was exhausted and went to bed. I fell asleep quickly, but woke up shortly after feeling hot breath on my face. I opened my eyes and there was a flaming face hovering in the air about nine inches from mine. Part of me said there was something to fear, but a bigger part of me assured me that this was nothing to be scared of and to stay out of fear as that would feed it. So here I am alone in my room, face to face with this flaming head. And I look at it exhausted and say, I am far too tired to deal with you tonight. I command you go back to where you came from in Jesus name. The red faded quickly into the darkness of the room. I breathed a sigh of relief, but then I got up and got my Bible and slept with it under my pillow. I had no idea whether that would keep any future visitors away but it made me feel better. The next day, the teacher pulled me aside and asked me how my night was. I shared what happened with him and how I handled it. He told me that I was ready to help. He explained that for whatever reason, there were all these people who had demons inside of them attending this retreat, 
and attracted to his other events. I would later understand why, but that's another adventure. Apparently, he said that I have the ability to drive out negative energy by being a conduit of pure love. I rejected the whole nothing but love and light and rainbows and unicorns movement. And this was sounding too close to that for me. Plus, I didn't know if I wanted to be messing with that kind of energy and those types of entities. He could feel my skepticism and told me that the next eye-gazing energy we did to just focus on pouring pure love into the person I sat across from through my eyes. I agreed I could do that. Evening came and we returned to the big room after dinner with the chairs lined up and ready to go. I sat down across from a woman I'd had some nice conversations with at dinner. The teacher came over with one of the dark feeling girls and sat her in front of me and sat the other girl with someone else. The girl squirmed across from me. We hadn't even gotten started yet. Could she feel my energy and it made her uneasy? Moments later, the music started and we were instructed to lock eyes. I took a deep breath and dove in. I relaxed and at first focused on being a channel for pure source energy and divine love. When I felt like I was tapped in, I relaxed, softened my eyes and just let the energy pulse through me into her. She kept my gaze at first but tears started streaming down her face. And within maybe about 10 minutes, she passed out. I was horrified. What happened to her? The assistants came and took care of her. The teacher came behind me and whispered, very good. I turned to ask him what had happened, but he was continuing to run around the lines of chairs as everyone else had continued the exercise. Throughout the week, the same thing occurred a couple more times with different attendees. If I chose my partner and he didn't make them switch out with someone, everything was fine. They might shed a few tears, but they certainly didn't pass out. But whenever he chose my match, that person would end up on the floor. I came to know who was going to be getting a clearing when we sat down together. Because in light eye colored people, if they have something within them, it would cross their eyes. It looked like a dark shadow moving through their eye. It did do the same thing with dark eyed people as well, but it was harder to see. I did finally have a conversation with one of the assistants, enough to understand that dense energy cannot stay present within a vessel filled with love. Therefore, when I'm pouring love into the person, when the entity can't take it anymore, they exit. And that shift of consciousness from the entity to the person creates a void that often causes the person to pass out. Through this experience, I also learned I don't need to do some convoluted multi-step protection process with sage and crystals and mantras I just need to keep myself filled with love, self-love, love love for others, love for life. And then I'm just not 
inhabitable to those energies. I quickly came to feel that liberating people from the entities that influenced or haunted them was positive spiritual work to be doing, and I committed myself to it. I ended up attending many more events, both in South America and in the States, over the next several years, and performed many types of these clearings of negative energies and entities, as well as assisting the teacher with casting out some of the tougher ones. Then I began having some disturbing experiences. I would wake up in the morning and have bruises, mostly on my legs that had no discernible cause. The worst one one time was on my thigh and it looked like a giant bite mark. It was deep purple surrounded by red and blue and there were distinct teeth marks. Since the bite was around my entire thigh, it was larger than any dog head I'd seen and I had no idea what kind of animal might be capable of that. Another oddity to these marks is that when I would photograph them, the image would always show up blurry. I couldn't get a good crisp picture of the damage. The bite mark was so disturbing that I drove across town to show it to my spiritual teacher. It was the first time I'd seen him concerned about any of the things we were doing. He assured me, though, that he would take care of it. I'm not sure what he did, but I've never had one of those same types of bruises or bites on me since. Even before the marks started showing up on my body, I was doubting whether I wanted to stay doing this type of work. I definitely knew I had done it in previous lifetimes because I just knew how to do certain things without ever being trained in this lifetime to do them. and. I didn't have any fear around it. The final person exorcism I performed was at another one of this teacher's events. I can't recall if it was in Costa Rica or Mexico, but I had been paired with a woman whose entities I could see in her eyes. There was more than one, it was like lots of black floating around in there back and forth. She, though, was wanting them out. I spoke with her before we began because this time people knew that there were certain ones of us who assisted with removals. And so they knew that if the teacher paired them with us, it meant they were ready to release the entity or entities within them. Prior to her, all of the removals had been through the passing out or of the teacher commanding the energy out of that person. Sometimes the person being worked on would throw up, but I'd never actually seen the vomit because it was always sealed up and taken out of the room immediately and buried. This woman and I were sitting in the middle of the row of chairs. The teacher told us to move to the end of the row. We did, and he placed a bucket beside her. I knew he was expecting something big and I could feel the anticipation well up within me. Was I ready for this? I reminded myself that I wasn't doing anything besides being a conduit for source energy and pure love to do the healing. The music started and the gazing began. 
by this point, I could drop into the receiving and giving very easily and did so. Within five minutes, the woman in front of me was foaming at the mouth. The teacher stood behind her, encouraging her to keep the gaze with me if she wanted out of this. She hung in there. Her body started convulsing and she struggled to stay connected and stay on the chair. I could see dark shadows flying through her eyes frantically. I sent them love. I imagined them being bathed in pure love. She started gagging. An assistant pushed the bucket under her mouth and she began puking up a black oil-like substance. I can't recall, but I think someone took that bucket and replaced it with a fresh one. The convulsions continued and she wasn't able to stay on the chair. So we moved to the floor. I continued gazing with her. Someone was behind her, holding her up. Her body jerked and contorted bizarrely and in unnatural ways. Then she was throwing up again. This time it was a lot. Thick, black, slimy, oily substance. I was pulled back and surrounded by some of the longtime participants and the teacher and one of his assistants took over working on the woman. Lying on the floor, completely sweaty, my mind started to figure out what it had just witnessed. I decided that this work was not what I was here to do this lifetime. Thank you for listening. Next episode, I'll share my adventure of accidentally joining a spiritual cult. Until then, remember that your spiritual journey is a supernatural adventure in and of itself. Enjoy the unfolding and embrace the unknown. Thank you for joining today's Adventures in Mysticism with Leah Grant. To go on more journeys with Leah, subscribe now. To step more fully into your spiritual role of bringing about a positive high-frequency future for humanity, visit adventuresinmysticism.com.